Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. Right, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the, the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined today by my cousin Joe out in Hawaii. What you up to, cousin Joe? It's raining men in Tennessee, brother. <laughs> All these stars, it's amazing. No joke it is, recruiting-wise. First, I thought you were talking about these damn storms. I'll let the oh, listeners into a little uh, inside info. Last, excuse, saw on Sunday evening this was, I thought I was dying. I'm, I was locked in my downstairs bathroom in the tub. House was shaking and rocking. They're telling us severe thunderstorm. We just survived another tornado. Uh, the dogs were going crazy. My final call, I thought, was to Cousin Joe to cheer me up. I, <laughs> I was saying goodbye to him, and, oh, man, what, my Sunday was pretty wild. Yeah, and I was watching cartoons. No, I was like, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Don't put that in there. But, no, it was good. I was like, hey, Mikey, it was a good chat. Yeah, you talked me off the ledge, so I appreciate you doing that. But... Now I'm going to have to talk you off the ledge here when we get to some Tennessee recruiting because it's going so well. But before we get to that, wanted to start, you know, we like to sh- we like to go with these little clips if we got them. So I want to start with South Carolina Gamecocks quickly here. And this was just a really great 
antidote here from John Lynch, the 49ers general manager. Of course, uh, the 49ers last year selected Debo Samuel in the second round of the NFL draft, and he was outstanding as a rookie. Now they just turned around and drafted another South Carolina guy. They drafted Javon Kinlaw in the first round. So John Lynch talking to uh, Colin Coward talked about, you know, with the with there's no pro days and the contact was limited with these recruits or these NFL prospects. They had to go to the coaching staff. They called up Will Muschamp and uh, South Carolina fans, I thought, would really appreciate these comments from John Lynch. I would tell you with Kinlaw, what I like to do, watch him against the best competition. His two best games this year were against Alabama yep. and Georgia, yep. I, I felt. And, and so when you can go up and dominate, yeah, these are guys who are going to play in the league. Uh, you know, I, I, also what happens, you develop relationships. Uh, we were incredibly comfortable with Will Muschamp because he gave us such an accurate depiction of Debo Samuel last year. I didn't know Will. I had met him once, but we called on Debo, and – he hit all his strengths, but he also hit here's and not even weaknesses, just realities of who who the person is. And and he depicted Debo so well. A year later, I said, Kyle, we got to pick up the phone and call Will about uh, much uh, about Kinlaw because he was so darn honest. And he said, absolutely. So sure enough, we made that call. You know, Muschamp goes above and beyond in telling me about Javon, the player, the person. And then tells me, hey, call his junior college coach. He knows him better than anybody. So I call this guy Steve Buckley at Jones Community College. And, you know, I think you had to rely more on that um, kind of thing this year because we didn't have the third yeah. visits where we bring these guys in for two days and really get to know the person. So the relationships came in handy. But, yes, for the SEC players. All right, so after this kind of went viral, Brian Edwards, of course, former South Carolina receiver. Now he's with the uh, Oakland, or <laughs> used to be Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, he echoed these statements saying, Will Muschamp is always going to shoot you straight. That's the one thing about him. But, you know, I know a lot of people out on Will Muschamp at the, for the time being, and I understand it because South Carolina just didn't get it done last year on the field. But got to be some confidence knowing that, uh, you know, NFL thinks highly of Will Muschamp. They respect him. And this is what you want if you're a high school kid. You know, you're getting pulled in all these different directions. Where should I go to school? I think you want to go somewhere where the guy's going to shoot you straight and not BS you. Yeah, absolutely. You guys always talk about, like, who's your favorite coach to have a beer with. I think Muschamp would be up there just because he, he just seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, and that's the thing I've always been told about him. People work with him or for him, like, just never had any kind of poor working relationship. And that's not something that could be said for a lot of these guys in the SEC. So, of course, he's got to turn around on the field. That's the key, but... Hell, I'm, I'm rooting for him when I hear comments like this. Yeah, absolutely. That means a firecracker. I like his, like, his little fiery nature, you know. Probably wouldn't want to play him a cornhole. Probably get all <laughs> liquored up and yell at you, but it'd probably be fun. <laughs> all right, I think we held off long enough. Let's talk some Tennessee recruiting, mm. which seems like just we're doing this on every episode now, but it's not that I uh, don't want to talk about the other teams, but my God, Tennessee's hottest team in the nation right now on the recruiting trail. Tennessee is now ranked with the number two class in the nation, number one in the SEC, only Ohio State ahead of the Volunteers. And right before we hopped on here, they landed a commitment from a North Carolina offensive lineman, Colby Smith. And this came after Sunday. They landed three-star defensive back Deshaun Rucker from Tallahassee, who had offers from Florida State. He said no to Florida State. 
said no to Clemson. That was the big school going after him. Commits to Tennessee, one of the fastest players in the nation. Apparently runs a 10-7, 100 meters. They followed that up. They landed a four-star running back, Cody Brown, also on Sunday. And I believe since the last time we spoke, I don't think we got to talk about these, but they did land five-star outside linebacker Terrence Lewis, number one outside linebacker in the nation. Beast. And three-star running back Tyon Evans, number one Juco running back in the nation. And Evans' commitment is another big one because South Carolina thought they were getting him. Listen to this backstory, Joe. Uh, Tyon Evans, nation's number one junior college running back. You know, he's signed, I believe, with South Carolina out of high school. That was the story I was told. And then the coaching staff placed him at the junior college. And that typically, the reason they do that is because they got a good relationship with the junior college coaches. They know that, you know, if, if the kid takes care of business, they'll try to get him to return to the school that kind of steered him towards that way. So, I mean, all indications, Tyon Evans, local South Carolina prospect, was going to play for Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks. But then he stunned everybody, picked Tennessee, and this is a bigger back. But not only is he a bigger back, he's 220 pounds, but he returned kicks in junior college. So yeah. he's got some he's got some speed to him too. But, man, I don't even know where to start with all these guys, but just Tennessee is on an incredible recruiting tear. What's your – initial reaction to all that well i didn't know about the evans guy i'd never like seen any highlights or anything so i was just clicked on his highlight and his first one was a kickoff return and he like juked 17 people stiffed armed four did a couple of twirlies and he still scored a touchdown i was like oh yeah he's all right <laughs> <laughs> you know i was like this will do but if you're a tennessee fan you know i'm right when i say this you're like Okay, what's the catch? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is all really awesome. It reminds me of that Rick and Morty uh, episode where the granddaughter starts working for the devil and the devil sells things that do like really cool stuff, but it's like a catch 22. <laughs> so it's like you get the number one recruiting class and dick cancer. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, is it like stage one or two? Like, is this a terminal thing? Are we going to be all right? Like, what is the catch? Like, what is this going to cost there? Is it like, is it actually happening? Are we actually going to make that climb again, be good again? That'd be really cool. So, I don't know, man. It's been pretty overwhelming, but I like it. And I've it. seen a lot of people compare this momentum that Tennessee has on the recruiting trail to the Butch Jones era because, you know, say what you want about Butch. He was a really good recruiter. And at times he landed, he never got a class number two. I don't think. Why? Well, actually, I think he had Tennessee ranked number one at a, at at one point. Now they didn't finish that way. I think they finished the highest he ever had was number four, if I'm not mistaken. But here's a key difference in my mind with that: a lot of the guys Butch Jones was getting already had ties to Tennessee through you know their parents. Mm. or relatives, what have you. And I think he I think he did a really good job getting the guys in-state and around the state. And again, legacies like uh, Khalil McKenzie. And, you know, obviously the biggest thing there was kind of a failure to develop those guys once they got on campus, whereas we're already seeing it with Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, Henry Toa Toa, I mean, he's all SEC freshman. Wanya Morris, all SEC freshman. We just saw Eric Gray. You know, he was looking dynamic by the end of the season, was the Gator Bowl MVP. 
Uh, we've seen him take two high school wide receivers. Yeah, turn them into like SEC caliber. Exactly. So I mean, the list goes on and on, and you know he's not had a ton. Obviously, you can question some of his. I think he's a solid game day coach, but they've lost games they shouldn't have lost. They've gotten blown out a lot, but I don't know how much that goes back on him. I think it goes back on the on the fact that most of the time it's a talent mismatch, and I've said many times on this program, I don't care how good of a coach you are, you're only as good as your players. So, you know, I think obviously none of these kids that we were rattling off here have even signed with the team. They're not going to be on the team next year. So the fruits of all this recruiting labor may not even be seen for a while. And, hell, the, the, the real battle now is keeping them, making sure they all sign. But, you know, things are definitely trending up. And I will I would make this comment because I know Joe's excited, cousin Shane's all excited. I mean, they're blowing me up. I saw Peter Burns from the SEC Network said, you know, the last thing the nation wants is Tennessee is becoming a powerhouse again. And I pump the brakes on talk like that because hell, Tennessee needs to be consistently good before we're calling them a damn powerhouse. But yeah, they, cer- they certainly are trending in the right direction. Is kind of I guess is my my thesis point here. Yeah, no, I think it's really exciting to see us good, or even on the map again, because no one, no one follows Tennessee football ever except for Tennessee fans until recently. And now they're like, "Whoa, what are those guys doing over there?" And it's like, "Shh," you know, like trying to be sneaky about mm-hmm. it. It's awesome. I don't know that one guy you said ran what a ten seven. Yep, that cousin Shane's running a ten seven right now. <laughs> All these recruits coming in. <laughs> hey, speaking of Cousin Shane, he did want me to make this note. Alabama, I know it's early, but they're ranked number 54 in the nation in recruiting, one spot above UTSA. So that's a little shout-out there for Cousin Shane. But enough Tennessee talk. Let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Where the Tigers, they're heating up too on the recruiting trail. They just, right before we hopped on here, they landed a commitment, four-star Garrett Nussmeyer, number seven pro-style quarterback, top 150 overall prospect. And, of course, he is the son of Doug Nussmeyer. That's a name SEC fans know. Former offensive coordinator for Nick Saban at Alabama. Former offensive coordinator at Florida under Jim McElwain. So, you know, he's and I believe he works now for the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, you're getting your coach's son there, LSU. That's a solid pickup. And now the LSU Tigers have a top 10 class with Garrett Nussmeyer's commitment. They also landed four-star linebacker Xavier Carter from Atlanta just the other day. So those two additions pushed LSU into the top 10. And perhaps even more importantly, nation's number one dual-threat quarterback, Caleb Williams. He has announced his three finalists, LSU, Oklahoma, Maryland. And I know that we're just talking about Garrett Nussmeyer. They just landed him. So I don't know what that says about Caleb Williams the same day he announces his finalists, same day Garrett Nussmeyer commits. But I've watched this kid Caleb Williams play, and I'm going to be honest, he reminds me of Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And if you can get a type of player of that, you know, just an elite runner and thrower, I would not be stunned if uh, LSU is still going to go, you know, even with the commitment of Garrett Nussmeyer to push hard for Caleb Williams because he's just not that many players of that caliber. And it just had me thinking, you know, we just saw Joe Burrow 
We know he he was mobile, but he was more of an elite thrower. Imagine this LSU offense with an elite runner. I mean, how much more dangerous can it can it possibly get here? Yeah, that's one of the most exciting things I think about football, college football. That it is, it's just the mobile quarterbacks. It's not something they do a whole lot of in the NFL. They're getting more like that, you know, nowadays than they did historically. So that's why I've always liked college football. It adds such a, another dimension to the game. It's like you're. You can't ever commit 100% to a pass then because you're always like, you got to spy the quarterback. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump on down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Because we had some big news here over the weekend. Kansas and Missouri have announced they're renewing their football rivalry. They used to play every single year. They've played 120 times, but they've not played since 2011. When Missouri joined the SEC, Missouri holds the all-time edge, 57-54-9. But starting in 2025, they're going to start playing each other again. First game at Missouri, 2026 at Kansas. Taking a couple years off, 2031 at Missouri, 2032 at Kansas. So this is a step in the right direction. You're not going to hear me complain that we got you know one of these classic rivalries return, but... I sure would like to see this once again be an annual game, and it does suck we got to wait <laughs> six seasons before we see it. You know what I mean? But at least it's a step in the right direction, and, hell, maybe this will get us closer to Texas, Texas A&M, and you know, a couple of these other games that we're just dying to see because when you take these games off the schedule, you're just, you're just doing a disservice to all the fans, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Texas, Texas A&M would be such a better game. Just because I didn't realize Kansas had a football team until you mentioned this to me earlier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I hope Les Miles is still down there like when Drink Wentz comes down. Maybe Drink Wentz can give him a sweater for he mows the yard again. <laughs> like for his little, his little beer commercial. <laughs> I think that would be great. But Texas Tech saying that's kind of like, you know, if they took away the Tennessee Vanderbilt game when Vandy like gets kicked out of the SEC, that'd be a sad day, you know? Right. Like everybody. I guess we could replace them with Memphis. <laughs> All right, uh, skipping down next to Starkville, Mississippi. Wanted to make this note. The Bulldogs, man, they're starting to heat up on the recruiting trail too. Now, they these are all three-star prospects they're landing, but junior college defensive back Cortez Eatman, receiver Corey Ellington, and offensive lineman Mikhail Pounders, all three of them from the state of Mississippi, all have committed in the last couple of days here. And why I really wanted to talk about this is not so much about their commitments, which obviously that's good news for Mississippi State. But, and again, I know it's early. We're, we're about halfway through the recruiting cycle. But Mississippi State is currently ranked number five in the SEC in recruiting. And guess who's number 14, Cousin Joe? <laughs> oh, oh Miss. Yeah. Giffen and Ole Miss. So, Ole Lane Train. The, the main reason. Slowing down. <laughs> Again, the main reason I wanted to bring this up, just the fact that when Mike Leach got hired, that was the biggest thing people had against this guy. You know, he can't recruit. He'll never get it done in the SEC. And again, I know it's early, but hell, this is a great start. They've already got, you know, they pulled in KJ Costello, the graduate transfer from Stanford. That You got to count that as a recruiting job. They landed a four-star quarterback, Sawyer Robertson, in this recruiting class, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. I mean, I don't think people are giving him enough credit. And for some damn reason, 
They overlooked the fact he was coaching at Washington State and Texas Tech, which I don't know if anybody's been out to Lubbock, Texas, but it's like a damn outpost out there. It's not the heart of Texas where all these kids are available to play. So, I mean, when you're at these two schools like that and you hop into the SEC, I think you're really giving Mike Leach, you know, disservice when you're saying he can't recruit. I think he's proven that he can. I'm going to be pretty fired up if I'm a Mississippi State fan. And if nothing else, I'm kind of shaking my head there. But, you know, all the things we said about Lane Kiffin, all the hype with the Lane train, and I'm trying to, again, I know it's early, but where in the hell is the hype with his recruiting? I mean, you're dead last in the SEC right now. I know. I can't wait for his next tarmat experience. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be as nice as the one in Tennessee. But uh, When we were talking before we got on here, though, I mean, it's almost like we all know the Ole Miss history here with recruiting here under Hugh Freeze, and we know Lane Kiffin has kind of <laughs> had his issues with the NCAA. It's almost like they know they're, they're watching him. You know what I mean? So – uh, how long is that going to last? I'm not. I'm not saying. I've not heard anything about any kind of violations down there right now. But hell, I mean, they got they got to pick this shit up. Yeah, they're out there. You can see those uh, NCAA people sitting in their car, like the <laughs> 1980s undercover brown car, when it sticks out with all the antennas on it. Like, what are they doing? Like, oh, they're watching Lane, <laughs> seeing if he's sending them girls across state lines again. <laughs> All right, last thing on Mississippi State, just wanted to make this quick note. We referenced this on uh, one of the most more recent podcasts, but uh, backup quarterback Keaton Thompson announced that he was going to leave the program via transfer, and he has, he has announced he's going to Virginia, and I think that's a pretty good fit there. Bronco, Mendehall, you know, obviously we don't cover Virginia football here, so I don't know a, a hell of a lot about them, but watch them against Florida there in the Orange Bowl. I was pretty impressed with Virginia. I thought they had a nice little team. Their quarterback was graduating, and he was a runner. So now they're getting Keaton Thompson. He's got two years to play. I think that's a really nice landing spot for him. And, you know, maybe he'll be given that opportunity. He never was at Mississippi State. I think there's a chance, although, you know, it's probably going to be difficult now that there's no offseason really. But Keaton Thompson could get himself involved in the starting quarterback competition there at Virginia. And why that's kind of important SEC potentially, Virginia opens the season against Georgia. So, hell, Keaton Thompson could be the starting quarterback for Virginia when they face Georgia and when they're, they're probably going to lose by 50. But, hell, we'll see Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's so exciting. Good for him. <laughs> no, I don't know much about Virginia, but – uh, I hope I'm assuming he's got a better shot there than he does in Mississippi State. All right, last little nugget here around the league right before we hopped on as well. It's been a busy afternoon here, but Florida freshman offensive lineman Isaiah Walker has entered the NCAA transfer portal. And this is a kid, I think he decommitted to from several different schools, South Carolina, Florida, uh, or from South Carolina to Florida. So this is an interesting one. Hell, this kid just signed. And now he's in the transfer portal. It's not the first time we've seen that from a Florida player. Hell, to be honest with you, it's not the first time we've seen it. A lot of these schools, for whatever reason, these kids are signing and then a couple months later change their mind. So, hell, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Who was it, Lane Kiffin, just sent, uh, or was talking about transfer, transfer portal and how like 106 people entered and from, what was it, Pac-10 or something like that? And only – like something crazy, like six of them 
got scholarships into a power five school afterwards. I don't know about the old portal. I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, but it is a trend in Florida for sure. Yeah. Cause here's the thing that's dangerous about it is, you know, you go into it, you assume you're going to get a spot and you can go back to your school. You know, once you go into the portal, but your school can also say, all right, you're in the portal. We're done with you. We don't have yeah. to honor. Bye-bye. We don't have to give you a scholarship anymore. And if you don't have a landing spot, then you're just without a scholarship. So I really hope all these kids that are jumping in understand that. I, based on what Lane Kiffin said, that there's potential that they don't. So that sucks. But uh, I don't know. It's a lesson. I guess somebody had to. They're they're learning the hard way. You know what? Yeah, that sucks. All right. Last thing I've got here. I've no. I think I've referenced this before, but I've done some research here on third down passing numbers for all the returning quarterbacks in the SEC. And of course, I had to limit this to guys with, you know, starting experience and things of that nature because, you know, the backups, so they only have a couple passes in this situation. It's really not worth referencing. But third down passing against Power Five teams, I ranked these guys in order. And no surprise to me at the top of the list, the guy that I've got as the SEC's best returning passer, Kyle Trask. Completed 64% of his passes on third down last year. The money down in college football. So not a stunner there, but we're going to go down this list. Some of these others will probably surprise you. Jarrett Garantano, just like last year, he's very high, 63%. So he's number two in the SEC. And then we kind of get a a significant jump down here. Mac Jones, 55%. Ryan Halinski, 54%. Garrett Schrader, 51%. Bo Nix, 50%. Matt Corral, 50%. And here's the stunner to me. Kellen Mond, 47%. And then John Rice Plumley dead last year, 40%. But anything jump out to you on those returning quarterback, third down passing completion percentage numbers? Just Kellen Mond. That's why I'm not really big on him being the final quarterback for Texas A&M next year. I don't know. I think he hit his ceiling, and then the young stud's going to come take those ranks. Yeah, because here's the thing. with This is something Mike Leach says and believes, and hell, based on his track record, you got to have faith that he knows what he's talking about, but you're either an accurate passer or you're not. That's exactly. what he notes when he looks for an elite high school prospect is how – often they're completing their passes because in Mike Leach says it, and this is so true. If you look at all these recruit rankings and, and everyone gets enamored with these guys with a huge arm and they have the size, but they just can't complete the damn ball. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Leach would rather have a small sledder kid that is on target every time. And you know, every system's different, but time and time again, Mike Leach knows what he's talking about. He takes these unknown kids, gets a lot out of them. So I think there's something to be said for that. Now, you know, that doesn't mean you completely write off someone like a Matt Corral at 50% or John Rice Plumley at 40%, Bo Nix at 50%, because I do think you factor in a little bit of being a freshman, being in the SEC. You know, those numbers can come up. Yeah, and the explosiveness they can get on the on the ground, like Plumley with his right. feet. That's, I mean, that makes up for a lot there, too. But... Like you said, a guy like Kellen Mond, hell, he's been the starter for three years. Yeah. I mean, I just I mm-hmm. just think he kind of – he is who he is. You know what I mean? So Exactly. Especially if he – he's at Jimbo there to, like, coach him up. And, I mean, 
if anybody's going to make a quarterback better, it's Jimbo Fisher. So I think that's about all you're going to ever get out of mine. Yeah, and that's uh, that was a startling revelation here for me. And then I also did these two. Now, of course, they didn't play in the SEC, so you got to take these numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt. But these are, again, Power 5 passing numbers. Jamie Newman, 62%. So that's pretty solid. And then Kate, but here's a, now this was limited and he was banged up, but KJ Costello, 45%. So <laughs> again, that's pretty bad, but uh, his, his numbers were limited. He only played in four game four games that I have here against power five opponents. So again, he was, they throw left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Leach sees something in him. So yep. that's 40% better than 30 <laughs> Garrett Schrader's uh, doing better than that. So, hell, maybe they do have a real quarterback competition on their hands down there in Starkville, Mississippi. But that. I like the bearded Schrader. I hope he gets it. But, you know, we'll see. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I got. Obviously, it's a dead ass time of news here. We got nothing but recruiting news. You just said JG was number two. He is, yeah. Why don't they just bring him in on third down and play that? <laughs> You because know, I remember Steve Hill, like, all, when I think about how accurate he is, I see Dominic Wood Anderson, like, going straight down the field, wide open by, like, 20 yards, and, like, it was so far off the mark. And I was like, ah, that sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun stats, but it's just a – tiny view into a large window so absolutely and, i don't know i'm so excited for football and like i said when i did these last year garantano was he was, he was number he one was number one ahead of Tua. so that yeah i don't think that that means you completely dismiss these but at the same time uh maybe you know they could be a little bit overrated but definitely something to think about hell i, I had to have Something to talk about here. So <laughs> I know, I know. Next, we need to talk about how many yards they get on the second down rush each halfback. That's only <laughs> not first, not third, second. All right, so that's going to do it for this one. Um, you got anything else before we hop off here? No, I'm good, man. Just ready for some football. It sounds everything that I'm reading and hearing sounds like football season is really probable kickoff. Absolutely, yeah. I've not heard any of the SEC schools come out and say there's not going to be football. They've all basically come out and said the game plan is to allow students back on campus in the summer, Mm -hmm. which is obviously the first hurdle. So, yeah, everything's progressing. This is great news. If the hurricane or tornadoes, hurricanes or floods or whatever the hell's coming to Nashville don't kill me, Man, I'm going to be fired up for it. And even if it does, I'll make that sacrifice to bring college football in 2020. You're like Mikey in Wonderland. There's no place like home. There's no place. <laughs> <laughs> Got to see some foosball. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks for hopping on with me. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. Wash your hands.